1: Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Chris Ballas and Anthony Broom back from Indianapolis. Big Ten media days in the books. 2023 we got what 36 days until Michigan football kicks off the season. Week zero in uh, less than 30 days so it is going to be here quickly but we got a little summer left. Uh, Had a fun time down in Indianapolis. We're going to recap all the Michigan stuff from down there. Maybe some more Big Ten uh, broader takeaways as well. Whatever we Decide to talk about uh, make sure to like this video if you're watching on YouTube like the video hit that thumbs up button if you are not a fan of the NCAA we hopefully you get up to a few hundred likes there subscribe to our channel and as always head to the wolverine.com promo code goblue2023 for 25% off your first year of premium access that's g o b l u e 2023 for 25% off your first year we're brought to you by My Perfect Franchise. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle while working your current job? Wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Well, Andy Ludicky can help. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. Contact Andy Ludicky on the phone 404-973-9901 or via email andy at myperfectfranchise.net also go to his website those watching on youtube can see the site right there www.myperfectfranchise.net you can book a time with him on his calendar there so again 100 percent free consultation take him up on that and explore if uh franchise ownership is right for you fellas How we doing? We got back. We, uh, you know, a little travel day yesterday after uh, talking to Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan players. Uh, How we feeling now that uh, Big Ten media days are in the books? Rested, man. Relaxed. And uh, you
0: know what? Looking forward to the next 36 days of summer. Um, You know what? We're going to have a lot of opportunities, hopefully, with the Michigan coaches and players here over the next 36 days. But I like it because it kind of breaks it up a little bit. You get just enough football, right, to get people excited again and to get you excited and to talk to Jim Harbaugh, who, by the way, looked extremely relaxed, looked in great shape, looked happy. Uh, nothing to be ashamed of, he said, and he's absolutely right. I'm sure we'll talk about that when it mm-hmm. comes to NCAA violations. But you know what? Now we've got enough material here to get us through to the start of camp on August 2nd. If you haven't checked it out at the, the Wolverine.com, we got about... I think 15 stories up yesterday. It was crazy. So, and lots and lots of really good stuff in there and more to come. So appreciate you guys coming on the ride with us.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the analogy that I keep using for it is it feels like the first day of school, right? You got all the beat writers there with their backpacks waiting outside, you know, to get their bags checked and you get inside and uh, thank God uh, it wasn't inside event. Cause it was 97 degrees uh, in Indianapolis yesterday, bit of a scorcher, but uh Yeah, it's nice to get that taste, and and I know we'll get through it. Uh, We'll get to it, and it's not, uh, you know, not trying to take the wind out of the sails, but fairly business as usual. I mean, outside of the Jim Harbaugh uh, NCAA investigation stuff, there's really not because there's so many known commodities about this football team, and not a ton of question marks. um, It really was more of a hello, how are you doing, as opposed to finding out all these groundbreaking things, which I'm sure we will over the next 36 days, but good to get down there. Uh, good to see, you know, members of other beats that we see a couple times a year. Um, you know, Good to see people from our own beat that we haven't seen all summer. Uh, it's just, uh, just good to get back out there and it's good to feel busy again.
1: I like
0: the school analogy. We're at a restaurant on uh, Wednesday night and Clayton walks by a, a table of competitors and was walking out. He goes, nerds. So
1: that was not me. <laughs> that
0: was Anthony. Oh, it was Anthony. Oh, my God. Even better. I should have known. <laughs> you bully. Just to so, be clear. Yeah. You know All me. Right.
2: I, I'm, I'm projecting the things that happened to me to other people. You're pot stirring. Right. That was
1: great.
0: It was fun. No, we right. had a great time. good fun.
1: It. Yeah. Well, sometimes. Yep. All right. What's up, Clay? <laughs> Let's talk about uh, how Jim Harbaugh handled the NCAA stuff. Um, obviously, that came out. Heading into Big Ten Media Day, I think pretty clear uh, what side leaked that, wanted to put the pressure on him, make him answer questions about it, which he really can't, right? And I think that's kind of the point, too. And made not clear. He's, he, he said at one point, he's not at liberty to, he's unable, I'm unable to. Uh, he was basically saying it in every which way, and reporters are trying to frame the question in many different ways. Uh, he obviously, you know, I think some of them were, you know, cover other teams or nationally and probably – don't realize that he is just going to keep saying the same thing over and over if you keep asking him, but he said he would have loved to talk about it. He loved to lay it all out there. He cannot right now. He said nothing to be ashamed of. Um, yeah. Pretty much status quo on how he handled it. Right.
0: Yeah. And you know, basically what he said at, at the podium, he said, I would love to talk about it, frankly. And and I think he will talk about it at some point. And I think what he will say is what he said at the beginning of spring ball, when he said, you know what, if you compare us to perfect, we're not perfect. If you compare us to every other program in the country, we're probably as good or better than anybody else. And I think he's right. So, which is why, and we'll get to this as well. uh, These donors need to start ponying up for this NIL and really help him get the collectives where they need to be to be able to compete uh, because he's doing it the right way. They're not doing pay for play. They want to do things right. And, uh, and he needs more support. So some of those donors need to step up, but uh, he's absolutely right when he says, you know, that he has nothing to be ashamed of. This is about a, a hamburger as we reported initially several months ago and, you know, k- committed recruits that came to town, you know, on a whim, you know what, and uh, I guess COVID had put a stop to some of the, the in-person recruiting, but these are committed recruits that just decided to come in and surprise them, you know, and instead of sending them back on their way hungry, you know, um, sees them and buy maybe buys them a burger or allegedly buys them a burger. So, um, and then says, he doesn't remember. He didn't even lie about it. He said he didn't remember. So, you know, a common strategy, a defense strategy, I guess you would say. So, but you know what he said, it. I think about seven or eight people tried to bait him into saying something. And he said, i can't you don't understand i can't during the investigation didn't stop him from trying
2: yeah i mean it's it's kind of funny to watch a lot of these reporters especially some of them and i'm not outing anyone i'm just talking about the collective in general name Um, names they're not they're not capable of playing the mental gymnastics that would coerce uh, a response out of jim harbaugh so it is funny to see a lot of people keep trying um And that's where it makes, you know, the NCAA, because let's call it what it is. Like they're the ones who leaked this uh, to ESPN earlier this week. And um, it's such, it's just such weasel behavior. And it goes back to, you know, this being essentially, Jim Harbaugh is essentially being tried in a kangaroo court right now. That's my take on the whole situation. I mean, yeah, I get it. Technically uh, the NCAA is the governing body of intercollegiate athletics. And, you know, you can't exactly tell them to pound sand, but all these other schools do it and get a slap on the wrist, but because Jim Harbaugh digs his heels in, um, you know, they're trying to, I don't even say make an example out of him. Just um, they're mall cops. That's what they are. Uh, so <laughs> the fact that the fact that they come out and, and they're, you know, that report comes out and then you've got these reporters trying to play, you know, the tennis match with Jim Harbaugh and, and aren't getting served anything back because it's a legal matter. There are lawyers involved with the NCAA. There are lawyers involved with Michigan. There's lawyers involved you know, representing the interests of Jim Harbaugh. It's, uh, it's such, it's just such weasel behavior that go goes back to why this is also frivolous in the first place. So I thought he handled it about as well as he, he could have, like I said, he couldn't say anything, but, uh, even when Jim Harbaugh can't say anything, he finds a way to kind of, um, weave in some of his personal feelings on it. You know, saying we have nothing to be ashamed of. And trust me, I would love to disclose what happened. Um, you know, I just, I think it kind of, he kind of said it without saying it, that he thinks this is silly and, and a waste of time as
1: well, but uh, we'll see what happens with it.
2: And cool.
0: so does just about everybody else, right? Clay, with the exception of maybe a couple rival fan bases.
1: That's literally what I was about to say is like, it, it's perfect because nobody likes the NCAA at this point. Nobody trusts the NCAA. I mean, we saw what happened with Tennessee, 200 violations. They could go to a bowl this year. You know, they, they lost a couple scholarships and a couple recruiting hours or whatever it was. Um, and and at this point, you know, really nobody takes them seriously. So kind of saying that, you know, as AB, you said it, you know, saying it without saying it, like I'd love to lay it all out there. Since 1982, I've been coming here, win or lose, you know, talking about a game or talking about any situation that's gone on. He really has. I mean, contract stuff and everything. He's asked. He's been asked about everything. This is just that one time that he can't. Um, but he kind of alluded to maybe what his feelings would be on it. I would love to hear, you know, what his true feelings are, you know, completely, you know, maybe what he was talking about on the plane ride home and stuff like that. But uh, obviously we're not privy to that, but yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty good. And then the other angle of this too, is if he is suspended four games or however long every Michigan player was asked about that too. They all said, Hey, I don't know much about the situation. Obviously they probably a little coached on that and as they should have been, but, I mean, they all talked about he's going to be there in spirit. He's prepared us, you know, for having to go through this situation. We're well prepared. Um, you know, this is a veteran team. And they said it could galvanize them. Blake Corum said he's going to rally his troops. Uh, that they'll play for him. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, one of the first thoughts I had coming out of this. You saw a couple guys on Twitter, you know, allude to some stuff. And, you know, when the, the news broke on Tuesday and, that's that's pretty much how they're taking it. I think is that this could be extra motivation for them. Not that it's an ideal situation, but there's always some good that could come from some sort of situation. You could get a team that's extra motivated and a Jim Harbaugh that, when he comes back, is uh you know ready to show the NCAA and and win a national championship.
0: And let's be honest, this is the good side of having a schedule that is not exactly the murderer's row of a non-conference schedule. Plus Rutgers to start the Big Ten season at home. However, Rutgers has played them pretty tough for about three of the last four uh, halves. So um, at the same time, you know what, if you're going to start, you know, you don't, if you were starting, for example, with uh, Penn State at home or something like that, then maybe you'd be a little bit more nervous, but you're not. So um, it would be very interesting to see, as Clay wrote in his column today, if it, it does remain a four-game suspension. And I'm still thinking it can get reduced from what the people that we've spoken with, uh, maybe cut in half. Who are those guys that are going to be leading the team? Who are the coaches? Uh, We were talking about this on the car ride home yesterday from Indianapolis. And, you know, is he going to do it on a rotating basis? You know, one guy gets an opportunity and then another guy gets another opportunity. It wouldn't shock with him. It wouldn't shock. You know, hey, I I got four great coaching candidates. Remember, he said to be head coaches, maybe I'll give them all the time. Right, exactly. But uh, I don't think that would be the case. I think Sharon Moore is the guy uh after he serves uh, apparently his one game suspension so uh which is crazy to me um yep uh and then you know Grant Newsom wouldn't be one of those guys anyway but apparently he's going to get a one game suspension so um hey it is it is what it is and it's not ideal but in this situation when you've got the, the non conference schedule that you've got it's really not that big a deal. And everybody's like, Oh my God, you know, people don't understand the cohesion. I'm like, no, it's not a big deal because he's going to be coaching the team throughout the week. He's going to be involved in all the preparation and everything else. And you could call the worst game of your life as a head coach and still probably win those first three games on the schedule, maybe four.
2: Yeah. The funny thing too, is that, yeah, he can technically be with the team Monday through Friday, uh, but i would be very surprised if he's suspended for four games if he talks to us those first four weeks i'm assuming that he would trot uh, whoever is the designated head coach for the week out there um yeah i mean it, it it's it's weird like it is so it, the fact that he could miss feasibly a quarter to a third of the season and really not have you, not have the team be affected much at all is uh you know that this is where this schedule and the way it breaks down comes into play. And again, talk about you know reporters trying to coerce some kind of answer out of Jim Harbaugh. This is the second year in a row someone's trying to ask him about you know how he's how he set up the schedule. And, and he said, I haven't set up a schedule since what maybe his first or second year at Stanford. I mean, that's an athletic department thing. So um obviously you can't plan for things like this, but the fact that it comes together the way that it did, um, you know, maybe Michigan only wins these games by 35 points instead of 42, you know, those first couple weeks of the year. Uh, But it also speaks to, you know, he often talks about how he has all these future head coaches on staff. Um, You know, those guys will be fine. I think the support staff is as strong as it has ever been around him. I think the player leadership is as good as it has ever been. And, you know, we've, we've been talking about for a while, you know, in the lead up to big 10 media days, um, you know, something we wanted to know from these guys is, How are you, and this is before we knew of the Jim Harbaugh suspension stuff. We wanted to know how a team that has done what they've done the last two years, how do you get back up and do it again? And how do you find a way to add that edge? And, you know, they discussed a lot of ways, these players that we talked to that they've tried to improve on the margins and and just add something to the repertoire to give them that extra edge. And, you know, now the fact that their coach is kind of uh, under fire for something that, again, is just so frivolous and so silly, is uh, I think that's I think that could be you know kind of the kindling for the fire that gets lit in October and hopefully into November, December.
1: Yeah, as people pointed out on Twitter, the last time a former Michigan quarterback was suspended four games, he won the Super Bowl. Could Jim Harbaugh go out and and there are some parallels to deflate gate too, um, in this situation, but could he go out and and have an incredible season and and that kind of be the the start of the championship DV? DVD, so to speak. I don't know if they still have DVDs this day, these days. Hmm. Um, let, let's move on to just kind of Harbaugh's overall feeling. Chris, you mentioned it at the beginning. You know, just feels like he's in a really good spot with this team. I mean, he was in a great mood and was pretty much happy to, to keep giving that response. It's not like he was angry about getting those questions. It was just, hey, I, I can't talk about it. and you know, But the rest of the time, some great things to say about his team. He said it's the best place Michigan football has been at since he arrived in 2015 Uh, he said the last two years has done uh, have done great things for his day-to-day mood you can definitely tell that having you know us just been around him in a media setting over the last two seasons you know feels a little bit different as as you would expect Um, cultural momentum is the word that he used again something he used when we talked to him last month he said there could be 30 some guys that he could have taken to Big Ten Media Day Uh, and and that's kind of right I mean you know they take seniors and fifth-year guys but They got a ton of guys that that are just those guys that are now telling Jim Harbaugh the same things he used to tell his players. And that was his evidence for the cultural momentum. Hey, coach, it doesn't matter what we did last year. You know, and that is that's powerful stuff when you have players leading the charge on that. He doesn't need to say it anymore, even though he obviously will if he needs to. He talked about key performance indicators being way up uh, KPIs, speed, agility, strength, flexibility and mobility. So there are, you know, this team could be even better as we kind of expect they have a chance to. And by all accounts, I mean, they are are in a great, great place at this point.
0: Yeah, they really are. And, you know, one of the things he said, too, it wasn't just that he couldn't talk about it um, or just that he didn't want to talk about it. He did want to talk about it. He he said to one of those guys, he said, I feel you, you know, when he was talking to, you know, I want to talk about this. So uh, there's no question in my mind that at some point he is going to, uh, say his piece on that, by the way, look how good Blake Corham looks, man. That kid uh, was styling. So, but he is one of the leaders. Uh, we talk about leadership, right? I was thinking about how many guys on this team could be captains. And, uh, one of those idiot Ohio state writers asked about four or five dumb questions. So I couldn't ask Harbaugh about the possibility of having like six or seven captains this year. You never know uh, how many, uh, and he said these three guys that I brought here, Blake Coram, Mike Saner, still Chris Jenkins. Um, he said, "All the guys on our team would would say the same thing that these guys belong here." And I think you'll see all three of them being captains. Uh, then you had some idiot asking about why isn't JJ here, and what did you say to him to, you know, maybe? And it's like, come on, man, you know. And and it, uh, did you have to talk to him and let him know? And it's like, no, because uh, JJ doesn't care. JJ is not one of those guys that has an ego when it comes to these things, and that was what makes him such a great leader. So, so much leadership on this team. And, um, and he was, and Jim just seems to be, you know, when you, when you pound your rival, you didn't just beat them. You pounded them in the last two years, you pound Ohio state <laughs> and, uh, just absolutely own them in the second half. And now you're favored to win the big 10 and you're pretty confident that you're going to do it. And you can tell it on all these guys, you know, it, it, I've said it for years, it takes getting over the hump one time to realize that you can do it again and uh, to to really get that confidence, and now they've got it. So you can see that they are feeding off the confidence of their coach, of their leaders. I, I've i never met a more confident Michigan player other than maybe Charles Woodson than Blake Corum, and uh, these guys, are, they're ready to go, fellas. Um, they may or may not win the Big Ten. They may or may, may not win the championship, but I guarantee you it won't be because of, A, lack of preparation or, be overlooking anybody and being immature that way
2: this group could lose, I mean, one or two games and it could just be because they got outplayed. And that's where I liked, I liked the, the quote, Uh, a couple guys said it Harbaugh said it. I think Mike Sater still said it, but they don't see this as, you know, championship or bust. And obviously those are the goals. They set the same goals every year, beat Michigan state, beat Ohio state. Uh, You could throw Penn state in that mix as well Win a big 10 title, win the national title. And that's going to be the standard. They hold themselves to. Uh, But You know, at the same time, these guys aren't putting that type of pressure on themselves where, uh, you know, they're going to think about the national title game or, you know, I know there's the beat Georgia drill. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit, Um, but they're not thinking about, you know, the trip to Houston, you know, here on July 28th, as we sit here and record, you know, they're, they're waiting for fall camp, which starts on August 2nd. And, and, And this truly is, I mean, this team, and you can see it the way that they've played the last two years and the way they've prepared over the last two years. This truly is a team that handles its business one day at a time, one week at a time. They don't get too high, they don't get too low, and I think that's been the biggest difference in, in why they've been able to turn this thing around. Is that you don't see you don't see that deer in the headlights look anymore down on the sideline because they've seen everything, they've fought through everything. Um, you know that that bingo card continues to get filled of the things that they've they've been through, whether it's you know uh, you know the post game stuff after Michigan State last year whether it's a quarterback controversy, whether it's, and now it, you know, with your, your coach being suspended potentially that first three or four games of the year, um, you know, they, they've seen it all and nothing really phases them. And, you know, if they lose it, you know, they didn't lose, they, they didn't lose to TCU because, you know, they didn't prepare effectively or they didn't uh, you know, they overlooked it. Maybe they overlooked them a little bit. I I don't know. I, I can't speak to what their prep looked like, but, they just got outplayed that day. They didn't play their best game. Their opponent played a better game. And, uh, I you know, for, from a Michigan perspective, I think that just handling your business day in and day out is going to be what these guys do. And, um you know, it's why, you know, it doesn't always provide for the best quote or the soundbite, but can't argue with the results.
1: No doubt. Yeah, day by day, you know, kind of a, something that came up quite a bit, as you mentioned, Blake Corum has never been he- fully healthy against Ohio State. He was dealing with a high ankle sprain in 2021 last year. I still can't believe he gave it a go. Uh, you know, in, you almost forget that he he did in a way. I was re-watching that game a couple weeks ago. In the beginning, it's like, oh, yeah, Blake Corum started this football game. Donovan Edwards finished it, obviously. Uh, and then in 2020, they didn't play, clearly. And you know, he was asked about, does that give you some more motivation going against them? He said, I'm just – You know, yeah, I'm excited to play him, but I'm just ready for August 2nd. So it just feels like these guys are in the moment right now. They're not overlooking anything, even though every single goal out there is at the back of their mind, as Blake said, beating Georgia, you know, winning the national championship, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, pretty much win every game, you know, and and that's – they're going about it by by doing their work on a daily basis. Um, Let's talk position battles because Jim Harbaugh, as he – Tends to do, he, you know, it feels like he thinks there are about 40 starters on this team, which there are about 40 guys probably capable of that or mm-hmm. you know, maybe more, maybe a little less. Um, but a few, you know, positions that he hit on, offensive line, center, and then both tackles. You know, we said we have two starting ta- centers, Greg Crippen, Drake Nugent. We have four starting tackles, and you know a starting tackle when you see one. Ladarius Henderson, Miles Hinton, Carson Barnhart, Trent A. Jones. Edge rusher, you know, he said that could be another position kind of like quarterback last year where two guys start one game, two guys start the next game, and then you kind of figure out the rotation. It may go into overtime, which would be the beginning of the season, another luxury with this schedule. Um, And then corner, you know, uh, Josh Wallace will have the license and ability, so we could cross that one off our bingo card. Uh, Mm -hmm. AB was thinking of making a bingo card for Jim Harbaugh going into the day, (laughs) and each and every time he hit one of the things we joked about putting on there, Uh, I kind of chuckled to myself. That was one of them, Josh Wallace, and, you know, a few other guys in contention there. But your guys' thoughts on some of those position battles that Jim Harbaugh touched on pretty briefly.
0: Yeah, and he said it's going to be like the quarterback battle last year. He said sometimes you just have to take it into the season to find out who's going to emerge in in a game. For example, Cade, Cade McNamara had the lead from everything we'd heard in the fall up until the very end when J.J. McCarthy put it all together. He started protecting the ball. And then gamed out, man, right against Hawaii, and there was no doubt about it. Everybody saw it, and which, which, frankly, you know, we all knew he was the more talented guy. Uh, and if you put it all together, that was probably going to be the case. And we said that, and that's exactly what happened. So uh, it came a little bit earlier than we thought. And then, of course, Cade McNamara gets hurt, and uh, the rest is history. So, but I think you're going to see that from the edge rushers, which guys producing games, and that's what that's what makes programs when you've got it going and and you reload instead of rebuild, that's what makes programs great guys is because it forces you to be your best every day. And if you bring it to practice every day, if you're a great practice player uh, and you are forced to do that, you know, there's that old adage, the cream always rises to the top. And that's exactly what's going to happen with these guys. So we're going to see it at, on the offensive line. We're going to see it at defensive end. We're going to see it at cornerback. Uh, there are still people in the building that are talking about Amorian Walker is as the favorite, even though after what we saw in the spring, he was very inconsistent. They think he's very raw, but they think Steve Klinkscale will, will coach him up. So, uh, but these are all position battles that need to play out. And uh, and I'm excited for it because there are a ton of talented players on this team. Guys that would start, second teamers, guys, the second teamers would start for a maybe a majority or a good portion of the other teams in the Big Ten.
2: And when I look at the position battles too, I hone in on the cornerbacks and I hone in on the offensive line, Uh, you know, given that you know obviously number two cornerback to me is uh, the biggest question mark right now in terms of who's going to wind up starting their uh, offensive line. Harbaugh says that he has, you know, as many as 10 guys that could be up for starting jobs. I think it's probably closer to seven. Um, You know, we'll see uh, what winds up being the case there, but, when it comes to the edge rushers. I mean, I'm not really worried about that being a position battle because all those guys are going to play as we saw last year. And you know, really what you're trying to sort out is who's going to be on the field the most. And I think that Jalen Harrell's probably going to be one of those guys because of the fact that you know he is a three down player, he can drop into coverage, he can rush the passer, can set the edge, stop the run. Uh, you know, he does a lot of things that uh you know it, it's not as flashy as the pressures and the sacks, but that's a guy that's going to be out there. And then from, you know, Braid McGregor, Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore, like I said, all those guys are going to play and they're going to play a lot. And it might be a scenario where you know, that changes week to week, depending on who's hot, what the matchups are and things like that. But you know, you look at that offensive line, you look at that cornerback room, I think backup quarterback is also going to be one that, uh, is hotly contested during camp with, I've uh, Derek, uh, um, Davis Warren, Jack Tuttle and Alex Orgy in the mix for that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, for a team that with so many known commodities, the fact that there are still some position battles to sift through and, you know, guys are going to get injured too. So there, you know, any, you know, guys, you shouldn't sulk. If you lose out on the position battle, you have to just kind of keep staying ready too. So I like Michigan's depth in all these areas. I think that they'll be fine. It's just a matter of who you write down, you know, in the starting lineup, when that first week comes along and, Maybe it changes by week three or week four, but we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and competition is a great thing to have too. Just because you're a good team, you know, to have a lot of different options of guys that can play is a positive, and that's gonna you know raise the level of everybody. Uh, you know what else is great? It's Caldera. Caldera is just absolutely fantastic. They want to remind you that first impressions matter. No two ways around it. What's the first thing that someone notices about you? In most cases, it's your face, and more importantly, your skin. If you aren't already, it's time to put your best face forward. How do you do that? By adding in a skincare routine. And you know what? It's not hard. You just don't have the right tools until now. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging, Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day. Use our exclusive code MISH23, M-I-C-H, 23 at calderalab.com, that's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com to enjoy 20% off their best products. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup, a twice-a-day routine to transform your skills. Just takes about a minute in the morning, minute at night. So get 20% off with our code MISH23, M-I-C-H-2-3 at calderalab.com, c a l d e r a lab.com. That's 20% off at called lab.com by using the promo code MISH uh, 23. They sent us some stuff. It's been fantastic. So go and check them out and appreciate them for sponsoring us. Um, let's get back into some Michigan football here. Ryan day talked on Wednesday day one, same with Mel Tucker. And I'm you know sure we'll mention maybe him at the end and some quick hitters, but uh, Ryan day, you know, had the, Probably disadvantage of going first, you know, and then Jim Harbaugh's the next day. He gets to see and hear about maybe how some of the reaction to, to some things were. But uh, Ryan Day believes it should be considered. And he was asked about this. He didn't bring it up on his own. But it should be considered that the Ohio State-Michigan game uh, could be moved off of the final regular season uh, week. Heading into 2024, or I guess a couple of years down the line because they already have the schedule. Because they could play two, two weeks in a row. They could play three times in five weeks or three times in the season, given that we're moving to a 12 team playoff. Um, Then Jim Harbaugh says, hey, we'll expect it at the end of the regular season. It's kind of become a tradition, Um, you know, didn't necessarily have much of an opinion on it, didn't go super in depth on it, which is probably the smart play. I mean, you you get people kind of, you know, the social media reaction to Ryan Day because he's one and two against Michigan. Uh, it's kind of easy to, you know, to clown on him a little bit, but your guys' thoughts on – on uh, really, because it, it is fair to consider it, I think, for sure. I don't know that you move it. I, I probably wouldn't be in favor of that, but it's definitely something to think about. But your thoughts on how each guy handled it and maybe your opinion on when it should be played.
0: It's funny because – Uh, You know, I think a lot of other fan bases and maybe Megan, our producer, can weigh in here with the arrogance of assuming that you get to that game and it's going to, you know, both teams are still going to have an opportunity just because they're they're so good at the end of the year that maybe they're going to be good enough to, you know, already be have Big Ten championship game clinched. You know, so uh, I don't think that's going to happen very often, guys, especially in, in the revamped Big Ten. So, uh, yes, these two programs are on the top of the world right now. There's no guarantee that it will remain that way. Um, You look at what happened to Michigan for so many years, you know, it takes one bad hire. Uh, I don't think that Ohio State will ever allow that to happen. They've become one of those Southern by any means necessary programs where, you know, football means everything uh, to the school. So, but we've seen it happen at Michigan and we've seen it happen at Ohio State before. We've seen it happen at Notre Dame. We've seen it happen everywhere. So uh, there are no guarantees. Um, but to me, it's, you know what it's tradition. You got to keep that game. The last game of the year flat out, Uh, not just that, but everything in the season builds up to that game. There's no rival on the schedule that compares to Ohio state. It's not even close. There's no close second fellas. This is the game, you know? And, uh, to me, No, there's something wrong about it. And I remember when Dave Brandon was exploring that as Michigan's athletic director, you know, 10 years ago and everybody's like, this is ridiculous. And I I still feel the same way about it. If you have to play back to back weeks, you play back to back weeks and, and so be it.
2: Yeah. To me, I mean, it's the discussions warranted, right. Especially with the knowledge of the, the fact that these, these TV networks just have so much more influence than they ever have, uh, And, you know, if it's back to back weeks, they'll take the ratings for both. But, you know, from a drama perspective, if if you're looking at, you know, sometimes they could play three times in a season if they meet in, you know, the expanded 12 team playoff. And I think you just kind of roll the dice and take your chances with that. Um, I I think it's worth it's worth a discussion. It's worth exploring, Uh, you know, other big rivalries play in mid-October. But, um, you know, the more I think about it, you know, it is just, the, the lens, the scope of Michigan's season every year is, and this works to their detriment sometimes. And sometimes it's, you know, works to building excitement. Is you know, are you going to be ready for you know th- this climb? Are you going to be ready for that last week of the year and what it brings? And um, I, I just think it, it there there is a, a chance it would be an overcorrection. I know they've they've moved some other rivalries around in other conferences. Uh, I think Florida State, Miami was one that got moved around. Um, a couple others and. You know, the the doomsday scenario, so to speak, of the two teams meeting twice you know, two weeks in a row. I'm not sure it's ever really happened. So uh if it does, it does. Um honestly, uh from a from a player and a coach standpoint, they'll play it on September first, if you ask them to, they'll play it, you know, in March. They'll play it whenever it's played. Um, but yeah, right now in the here and now, I think it's uh I'll stop short of saying it's hubris to admit that you'd be there two weeks in a row, but Listen, I mean, you've got Luke Fickle at Wisconsin now, and I think they're going to win fairly quickly and be a factor. And you've got USC coming in, you've got UCLA coming in. Uh, Matt Rule, I think, is going to win, you know, maybe not as quickly at Nebraska, but they're going to be a factor out there. So I do think with the way things are going with the new scheduling format, with the, you know, the, the caliber of coaches that are in this conference now, and the fact that your schedule isn't quite as set in stone year to year uh, as it used to be in terms of, okay, maybe you go a couple of years without seeing Penn state or Wisconsin or what have you. Um, I think there's gonna be a little more parity in this big 10 than people are giving it credit for. And, you know, I, I feel pretty confident that maybe Michigan and Ohio state is more often than not one of those teams playing for a big 10 title. But um, like I said, I think it's a little, don't correct something that you don't... This is another quote Jim Harbaugh had. Don't don't fix something that you don't know if it's broken yet. So uh play it out and see what happens. The Big Ten's only going to do these schedules two years at a time. I think there's probably going to be a little more expansion with the Pac-12 falling apart. We could see Oregon and Washington um kind of rotating in here. But yeah, I, I do think in the here and now, it's a discussion worth having. It's something that makes you kind of scratch your chin and, and look up at the sky. But uh, I think... It's just that right now is a discussion point.
1: Yeah, and to Ryan Day's credit, too, he said it's flexible. They set the schedule two years out, and then they're going to reassess. I I did find Blake Corum's quote kind of amusing, and I know people kind of attributed to him calling Ryan Day or saying that Ryan Day's comments was loser talk. I think it was a little different than that, but he did say it would be loser talk to suggest that they wouldn't go as hard in the first game knowing they're going to play uh, the next week, he said, "You know, not my guys. My guys wouldn't do that." So, um, but you know, that one went viral, I think, on Twitter as well. And of course, Blake Corum won't be here for any of that anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but it is funny when when guys we talked about this on the way home too. When guys get asked about things, uh, you know, these are largely veteran guys that are sent down there, and they get asked about things in the future of college football that they will not be here for. Um, and AB, that leads me right into. Uh, one of our final topics, transfer portal and NIL, Jim Harbaugh said that basically they said, how do you fix NIL? You know, there's the legislation and, and, you know, NCAA is working with Congress and whatever. Uh, and he said, how do we know it's broken? You know? And then he also, uh, no, no, not double down, but just reaffirmed that he likes the one-time transfer rule as well. Uh, you know, he was one of the first proponents of that four or five years ago saying, Hey, we need to you know let kids make the decision, not have to sit out, be punished for it. Now, I don't necessarily agree with him there, but he's been, uh, you know, pretty adamant that, that that continues to be his stance. Michigan's done a good job getting guys out of the portal. The guys that have left really haven't been that big of a blow. Um, you know, that could change if you start losing games and things like that. But right now, they've handled things pretty well, and I think Jim Harbaugh is happy where with things are at in terms of what the rules are. Um, maybe not with some of the rule breakers, uh, but at the same time, they need to to up their game in NIL as well.
0: They do. Uh, they need more donors to contribute to it and they need the athletic department behind it 100 uh, percent. You know, I was talking to somebody who said, you know, there was a coach on staff who was at a former school down south and the AD, you know, they asked the coaches what they needed for NIL. And he said, I need 10 million dollars. And the AD went out and they raised it in a month. Right. So go do it. You've got the donors, you know, quit hiding the, the little donor list or whatever and quit competing for that dollar and go support your coaches because that's going to be the future of your program. And you're not going to have a program to support on a high level if you don't do it. So that would be my message, number one. Number two, I don't agree with Harbaugh because I don't think NIL and the transfer portal work together. Um, I, I'm, the one-year transfer, rather, and the transfer portal work together be, or, and with NIL because here's the thing now you're just basically creating free agency. And if there is, you know, you can go, you look at what happened at Michigan state with Keon Coleman and Peyton Thorne. And it's just like at the last second, you lose your quarterback and your receiver and people can say, you know, give various reasons for, for that. But uh, to me, there's basically one reason and they got pretty good NIL deals. You know, you can call it pay for play or whatever you want. That's just my opinion, my thought on it. So uh, it doesn't work together. So, um, I th- still think they have some things they have to figure out and certainly Michigan has a lot to still figure out on the NIL. I-, I give Champion Circle all the credit in the world, number one. I think Jared Wangler and his gang are doing a phenomenal job and you know they got to be careful in what they say about the support they're getting. In my opinion, they're not getting the support they need to get some more of these donors on board to understand the urgency needed here to fund that.
2: And, and here's the thing too is that to have a successful enterprise or organization or product, whatever it is, you invest in people. You don't invest in, you know, buildings come and go and facilities come and go. You got to invest, you know, in the people and giving them the resources they need to make yourself successful. And, you know, if you're losing guys that want to come to Michigan, whether it be in football or basketball or whatever sport, uh, because you can't, offer you know a competitive you know opportunity i won't even you know it's not pay for play but it's all about setting up opportunities and you know to me you know i actually thought that jim harbaugh might have a little more to say on it given the fact you know he's been out raising funds uh this summer uh and it's fired up about the the trajectory of where things are going but it's not moving fast enough and there are too many um there are too many hands in the cookie jar. In my opinion, I don't think it's, it's as streamlined as enough enough as it need to be. But, uh, you know, moving forward again, it's, it's slow incremental process or, or progress. I think that Michigan is doing it the right way, uh, from the way that they've kind of, you know, sold, Hey, we're not going to pay you to come here, but once you come here, we will get you taken care of. Uh, I think that's the way to do it. But, uh, still just too many factions and, and a little bit of, you know, with a tinge of infighting and, and confusion about, you know, what the path forward is. I, there's still some work to be done there. And uh, you you better figure it out because, you know, you have a nice little window here to keep this thing going, but you got to also evolve yourself as, you know, the landscape is evolving and, and that's, you know, Michigan, you know, puffs its chest out about being the leaders and best. And right now they're just, they're kind of lagging behind and, it, to me, it's they're they're doing it deliberately, and I don't know why that's the case.
1: Yeah, a tough blow for them was on Tuesday. Jim Harbaugh uh, endorses the Champions Circle Collective, and about ten minutes later, there's the report that he will likely be suspended for the first four games of the season. So that just tough timing there, <laughs> um, obviously. And but he did mention, you know, we love our collective. They're having a golf outing soon to raise some money. I mean, he's doing everything he can from his spot. Uh, to do this, he needs more athletic de- you know, department support, needs more donor support, uh, and maybe that'll come. But, you know, I-, I think he's doing everything that he possibly can and his assistant coaches and Chris Bryant and the support staff. So they're getting on the road and trying to, you know, up those efforts. Uh, final takeaways from Big Ten Media Day. A.B. alluded to the beat Georgia drill earlier. We do. We have kind of found out at least what it entails. It's running the ball when the other team knows you're going to run the ball and stopping the run. Uh, when you know you know the other team is going to run the football, Mike Zaner still said it was it's a lot of 12, 13 personnel, a lot of heavies in there, and you know that kind of makes sense to me. Uh, you know you have the beat Ohio drill, which is the nine on seven drill that is still going on uh, for Michigan. Blake Corum said he thinks he was cleared the other day by the doctor. He may call him back and, and just double check. Uh, he joked about that, but also seemed a little serious Uh, but he's cleared for contact he's ready to go he said they probably won't throw him in Oklahoma drills right away but he is he's good to go and he just looked extremely happy to be back Chris Jenkins at 307 uh, pounds now and uh, you know but all those guys were great to talk to and any final takeaways that, that stood out to you guys not just from Michigan either I mean from Big Ten or however you want to take it
0: yeah those are the ugliest colors ever for the Big Ten logo number one number two Ah, uh, James Turner maybe has the lead at kicker, but Jim Harbaugh said, "You know what? It's been four years since I worried about having to make a kick." So he said, "We'll see. We'll roll the balls out there and see what happens." So Louisville transfers is that guy uh, number three that he hasn't heard at all from Mel Tucker after the tunnel incident. You yes. know, I, I guess that. I guess that's uh, they're they're still thinking. I, I don't know what the, the thought process is on that side. I think if as a Michigan guy, if the Michigan kids had. I attacked kids in a tunnel. You know, I think a lot of different fan bases would say that's unacceptable and, you know, you're not making excuses for it. And, you know, you had Brady Hoke apologizing for Joe Bolden planting a stake in the field, you know. Um, the first thing I would do as a coach is I'd be calling, uh, you know, Mel Tucker or whoever. I don't care what university is and saying, you know, there's no place for that in our football game. So I thought it was interesting when Jim Harbaugh just basically said No when we asked him if he'd heard from Mel Tucker or talked to Mel Tucker since the incident. And, uh, other than that, just how relaxed they were, how confident they seemed. It was the Michigan of old. It was fun. Uh, you guys did a great job as always, always fun being down there and, uh, really the unofficial kickoff to Michigan football season.
2: Yeah. Not a ton of big takeaways. Um, no, you'll see some of the bigger takeaways, uh, you know, throughout our written coverage throughout the weekend and, I'm sure we'll have some things to, to clean up when we're back here on Monday night. But um, items of note: uh, Chris Jenkins said he wanted to play between or he wanted to get between three three hundred five and three hundred ten before fall camp. When I talked to him yesterday, he's up to three hundred seven, so mission accomplished there. Uh, assuming he doesn't you know lose a bunch of weight in the next couple of days before camp starts. Uh, and a personal takeaway: too many seven thirty kicks this year. Uh, NBC slate was. Uh, or there, it's more of kind of a wish list, it's what they they plan to broadcast. But, um, uh, Michigan's got a couple 730 kicks in there, one at Spartan Stadium, which you know, from that perspective, not worried about it. You know, these people making Spartan Stadium uh, out to be like it's the black hole in Oakland, it, it's not that. Like, let's relax, they'll be fine going there. They've played there at night, they've won there before. Um, you know, 730 against Purdue is just. You know, again, I know the fans love it because you have those extra hours to tailgate and get lubed up before going to the stadium but man oh man that's that's just too many nights where we're up working and right until two or three in the morning and, and no one's gonna no one's gonna cry for us uh, no one's gonna feel bad for us. I don't expect them to it's just more of a personal kind of you know darn it to me.
0: I will say one thing about that. Uh, they have never played at night at, at uh, Michigan yep. State. They have played in the afternoon and it's gone into the night, but it's never been a night game there. Number two, when you've got some in the local media with huge followings saying Michigan fans better not go or they're going to get a battery in the head, that's absolutely absurd. And that basically sets the expectation for what to expect at that game. So tone down the rhetoric. And again, that's what leads to things like what we saw in the tunnel last year. It's a damn football game. Let's get a little perspective here.
2: Absolutely, well, and I would, no. I would just real quick, Clay. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, remember ahead. also that Twitter and social media and and these viral clips, it's not real life. Like, go outside, yes. touch grass, get you know, have a beer on the porch, go for a walk. Like, social media, Twitter. What happens on Twitter is not real, and no. it's not, in my opinion, not reflective of uh, of what the state of the right like. If your perception on the rivalry is what's happening on Twitter, uh, you need to find new perspective. Honestly,
0: until it results in, in a tunnel assault like it did last year, and coaches who can't simply pick up the phone and say I apologize for that, or guys talking about how much they hate Michigan and the short making fun of the short guy, then you rile up a group of people. Uh, you know what? When ninety five percent of them, when Mark D'Antonio called Mike Hart, you know, was making fun of Mike Hart's height and everything. 95% of the fan base in a poll said they agreed with him and they loved it and that that hatred needs to continue. So that's the only place that I would disagree with you on that, Anthony. I don't think it's just social media. I think it starts at the top and it needs to be reined in no matter whether or not Mel
2: Tucker believes that. Yeah, I won't disagree with that. Just, just yeah. more like how fans talk right. to each other. I agree with all. that too. Yeah,
0: I had great interactions with Michigan State fans on Torch Lake this year that were some of the most down-to-earth people I'd ever met. It was a lot of fun, but you know what? Starts at the top with the leadership. Be better leaders, fellas.
1: You have many Michigan State fan friends.
0: Not many. <laughs> they don't like me very much, and that's okay, So, yeah. but, but I'm more than willing to make more so come on over for some quiche i got one in the oven so let's
1: wrap this up yeah just don't bash people over the head with a helmet and you know we all should be good or don't throw batteries at people not familiar with that radio host but that was uh that was quite the tough look there um thank you everybody for watching and listening reminder on our youtube channel we got the full 38 minute Uh, Interview with Jim Harbaugh up. We have 39 minutes with Blake Corum. I think 17 minutes with Chris Jenkins and 11 minutes with Mike Sainer. So I think those are accurate. Uh, So go check us out there. Subscribe to our channel. Like this video if you are not a fan of the NCAA. Join us over at TheWolverine.com. Go Blue 2023 is the promo code for 25% off your first year of premium access. Thank you all for watching and listening, and we will see you next time.